0: It's the deep breath before the plunge. Sam, you do realize the plunge premiered on October 22nd, 2017. So really, it's been about a year since we have started doing this. Do you feel, I don't know, do you feel that you have cemented anything in your beliefs or, or I don't know, have, have you learned anything doing this show?
1: Absolutely, as I'm sure all the listeners can agree. There's all kind kinds of new beats that we have been on that nobody else is touching. I feel like we have some unique beats that we stay on that have added to the discourse.
0: Famously, Charlie Rose's proposed talk show that only interviews Me Too people.
1: Hell yeah, I mean, come on. That's content that we are happy to highlight for the fans. And... Well I mean, we've we've come so far. We've covered so much material, but one person I think that has really been part of our repertoire for a long time, someone we can isn't who is an evergreen topic. It's Sebastian Gorka. I have
0: to clarify he is a friend of the show. Of
1: course. I' th- he has blocked the show though. you know that he, on Twitter.
0: He has blocked the show page on Twitter.
1: He was following first, of course. I'm just kidding.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Gorka, follow back, bitch. Look, we've seen that he has concealed carry permits for multiple weapons that he brings to them at all times, including uh, also uh, a kit with some protective gauze and, like, what else did he carry with him every day in his, in his uh, pack?
1: Oh, my God. No, he had just, like, the most preposterous, like, first aid kid. And, like, he, he acted like he lives in, like, the Outback or something instead of in, like, northern Virginia. And, of course, I have – every time I see a black Mustang, I keep my eyes peeled. Because, I mean, I I, you know, I live in northern Virginia, too. I hope I want to see him, you know, at the grocery store sometime. But I have not seen any of the license plates art war or anything like that any of the things that would let me know that sebastian gorka might be within my presence but i'll keep my eyes peeled nonetheless
0: well gorka proved in a story that i think we can say he is a mortal man like any of us he he has desires whom from Mediate. Sebastian Gorka follows softcore porn Instagram page dedicated
1: to mature and busty milfs. Now, Dan, whom amongst us has not been horny on the gram? (laughs) It's humanizing.
0: Okay. I think leaving a paper trail as Gorka has done and Mediate has so kindly cataloged here, I've never left a paper trail of this magnitude. I mean, <laughs> and I, I doubt you have either because he likes an Instagram account. He follows an Instagram account called 40 plus beautiful women page.
1: What's wrong with that, Dan? What's wrong with 40 year old women? Are you being ageist?
0: I am not being ageist. <laughs> I am saying that Sebastian Gorka following this account, it's it's impressive
1: i mean it only has 222 followers so he's really part of like this elite core following this uh busty milf's page
0: i would question gorka for many things but not this
1: he also only follows 260 accounts <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> of like a higher than average percentage maybe of his follows are like uh busty uh mature women
0: greetings
1: <laughs> oh man imagine having reply guy sebastian gorka in the mentions just like <laughs> hello there lady you ha- you appear very uh, voluptuous upon this photograph have you heard of the Vitezi rend I'm a powerful man. You, do you remember that one clip of him where he's like, people in the White House are always saying Gorka, what a brain, what an accent, and he like starts doing the like, uh, basically like the James Adomian Gorka impression.
0: She was so strange. I used to bump into her regularly in the West oh, Wing. There you and, guys are together and, uh, on the
2: screen. Can you see that?
0: I can't. And I'm glad I can't see it. She she is such a strange individual. When, whenever I saw her, it was instantly like a reality TV show. Because, Kennedy, she always said the same thing. And she screamed it at the top of her lungs. She'd say, Gawker! What an accent. What a brain. And she said yeah. it every time she saw me.
1: But... It really is like become art imitating life and then maybe life imitating art to like an uncanny degree. He's out here kind of just living up what's left of his 15 minutes of fame uh, being horny online. And that's cool. I mean, that, that he's a red blooded individual and I think I understand him as a man one last thing about gorka's instagram is that his uh bio is incredible it's okay i give in i joined instagram now buy my new book why we fight and then a li- <laughs> but of course you have a book about like all why we fight like why you were in the white house for like three weeks and then uh got yelled at for wearing a bunch of the Rand rend uh, nazi collaborator pins
0: let's go to the other side of the aisle and this is big folks the clintons are
1: going on tour (laughs) an evening with the clintons is coming to boston opera house april thirtieth twenty nineteen It's part of a thirteen city tour with former president bill clinton and former secretary of state hillary clinton it's being billed as a -a one-of-a-kind conversation with two individuals who have helped shape our world and had a front seat to some of the most important moments in modern history Tickets for the Boston date go on sale to the general public this Friday, October 12th. Prices range from 120 to 745 bucks. Matt Uris for WBZ News.
0: You've seen them at, what was that, what was that event called? Uh, Ozzy Fest. Ozzy, you've seen her at Ozzy Fest. She's, she's fucking headlining <laughs> a fucking tour with her husband. And, guys, it's been a really terrific rollout.
1: Yeah, Hillary Clinton's been on Pitchfork's Best New Music, uh, and she's basically like kind of, a, I guess, an, like an indie band that's uh, going, you know, famous. She's going on tours. She doesn't know what's going to happen, really. It's just going to be fun. And uh, you're invited if you want to pay, like, $2,000 a plate to sit with, uh, you know, her and her sex criminal husband.
0: Yeah, she actually dresses like an indie artist she wears these flowing garb much like uh guru dude
1: that's taking on i think i, I see people like that on k street within like lady attorneys wearing those like tunic style uh i i don't know what what do you call that it's always this like kind of bizarre material and uh kind of down to like the above the knee it's not a power suit or anything it's like uh I don't know, tunic is or or I have no idea what to call this garment. But uh yeah, Hillary Clinton's on tour again. She's basically as Dan says, the Baguan.
0: Yeah, I wonder how these events will differ from the Trump rallies. It, like right. she's just come out like run through a big banner of her face. Like I, I think she should really <laughs> ham this thing up.
1: I mean, everyone, every political figure these days wants to be, like, Led Zeppelin. Like, they want to be, like, on tour. Just, like, (laughs) they're going to get, like, I I can't wait for them to be on, like, in the UK, you have, like, Nigel Farage and, what, Boris Johnson. these people driving around, like, tour buses that have, like, xenophobic slogans on the side of them. This is the future of, like, uh, horse race politics is just, it's all one big, like, carnival. (laughs)
0: Yeah, except, you know, you exaggerated the price, but that's not that far off. Some of these places, literally, it's like $750 for the good seats.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Got to do what you got to do. I guess this is slightly more democratic than only giving speeches to, like, Goldman Sachs bankers or whatever. But it's just now the upper middle class people get to go see Hillary Clinton speak in addition to, like, the actual upper class.
0: I think her comments about Monica Lewinsky in the last few days also just really uh, shows that she's with the times. Uh, She apparently said something to the effect of Monica Lewinsky does not fit into the Me Too movement because she was an adult and therefore it was not an abuse of power on on her husband's part.
1: There are people who look at the incidents of the 90s, and they say a president of the United States cannot have a consensual relationship with an intern. The power imbalance is too he great. Who was an adult. It's a response, I think, to the obvious reaction that many people have had of like, how are you going to take Bill Clinton on tour in the Me Too era when, when you're trying to be like the future of like the Democratic Party or try to hash out some sort of future for the democratic party like are you insane and as a response to that she hillary clinton came out with this absurd idea that like monica lewinsky who was like a yeah in her like early 20s was a fucking intern and literally the most powerful man in the world wanted to have an affair with her and uh hillary clinton's willing to say like oh she she wanted what she got or like There wasn't an unfair power imbalance there. There was nothing coercive about it, which is bullshit.
0: Yeah, that kind of thinking has. I think we can agree that we can move past that kind of thinking where it's like a subordinate and a boss, that that's like not an abuse of power.
1: I think it's pretty much agreed upon at this point. Yeah, like even if she thinks she wants to do it, I mean, it's her. You know, I don't want to take away her agency or anything, but still, it's, you can't look at it. It's not going to be a normal situation. It's not even a normal workplace where, you know, your boss has, like, a normal amount of power over you that, like, a boss would have. I mean, he's literally the fucking president.
0: Well, now you can see him do uh, immigrant song on the road. <laughs> <sighs>
1: I mean, Bill Clinton just wants to go on tour because he, like I said, wants to be like Led Zeppelin, and he's—he's oh, he's he's that ass. Oh on yeah, tour. no, he's definitely gonna be like just the groupie line is gonna be so full of like these uh, the busty milfs that Sebastian Gorka is looking at on Instagram <laughs> for uh, Bill Clinton. People, Bill Clinton is a sex obsessed like man, and he is just—you you can see it like cl- just out coming out of every pore.
0: The real question we have to ask is how many people will the Clintons be murdering on this arena tour? The Clintons
1: will murder as many like uh, we've already seen their path of destruction, whether it be the entire country of Libya or, um, you know, any of the fucking atrocities that they've been responsible for over the years. I think we know that no uh, 22 year old intern will stand in their way to uh, their domination of the planet and continued tour until we have to hear about them in their like late 90s.
0: Well, all the more reason to support uh, Gritty. Yeah. The new mascot of the Philadelphia Flyers. And I thought what was most interesting about the Gritty discourse was that the Wall Street Journal dedicated an opinion article to that. Uh, Antifa appropriates a creepy mascot. Keep your ha- Marxist hands off Gritty. He belongs to Philly. And of course, I don't pay for the Wall Street Journal, so I'm locked out of reading this whole article. But...
1: <laughs> so, wow, Dan, you're just going to judge them based on the headline, huh?
0: Yeah, you know what I am? It's bullshit. Gritty is, an- Gritty is Antifa. He's far left. He wants to fucking the shit out of the proud boys.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh Gritty is definitely a working class hero and I think it's actually fine to judge uh, if there, you know there's certain articles where all I really need is the headline definitely. I mean, the idea that like what the Wall Street Journal is angry that anti antifa protesters have made signs with like pictures of gritty like a hockey the fucking philadelphia flyers mascot on them the f- it, they're so it's mad a fictional
0: character it's <laughs> like saying like well elmo is not a republican
1: <laughs> yeah elmo is definitely uh in the green party despite his uh red color but as gritty's creator talked about how Uh, He used to work in motorcycle graphics and uh, he says that Gritty is like an underdog hero and he represents the spirit of like working class Philadelphia. So I could see why the Wall Street Journal, I guess, would rush in to try to reclaim this man, this like hockey mascot for the bourgeois, but it still seems kind of petty to me. (laughs)
0: My favorite description of Gritty was that it looks like like Louis C.K. <laughs> like <laughs> that's
1: not true. Gritty would never do that. Okay, Gritty would respect women, even though he definitely gets tons of uh, tons of lady attention.
0: Yeah, I didn't say his behavior would be
1: that <laughs> of Louis
0: i guess just he's a little his fuzzier. red hair
1: he's just a little fuzzier though I, I don't like gritty's not bald he's got a a great mane but i think he's wearing no he's got a like a long flowing mane so i don't see the connection at all
0: i have a question for you sam i am obviously single and what do you think about me joining the hottest new dating app Donald
1: daters. Hell yeah. (laughs) I mean, Dan, you got to put yourself out there. And really, there's been so many op-eds about how conservatives can't get a date. Maybe it's time for you to stop neglecting conservative people in your sexual explorations.
0: Well, this app is designed for Donald Trump supporters who may want to find like-minded people? And the slogan is Make America Date
1: again. This is so funny to me, because I can you imagine if people were trying to like find dates on like Reddit slash like what are slash the Donald or something? <laughs> like, isn't this like functionally the same thing? It's like a collection of online Trump supporters.
0: Right. And I don't think it's A stretch to say it's probably hard if you're an open Trump supporter to be on Bumble or Tinder, but maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe, I don't know, because I think people sometimes would make that clear up front, but maybe this is another cry for help from the Trump supporters who feel alienated
1: by modern you know, culture. They're, they're alienated from the touch of a woman. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I mean, it does seem like uh, something like this, similar to something like Ashley Madison or whatever would be primarily like 98% just men talking to either robots or like the extremely few women who would voluntarily like sign up for this shit. I mean, I I don't know. I feel like a far more successful venture would be, you know, Trump women looking to date, but like I I don't see how that would women would like sign up for this is the point I'm driving at.
0: Well, aside from its perhaps uh structural problems in terms of its uh what we suppose is a gender imbalance. <laughs> A security researcher discovered the app is exposing user information in an open database, including biographical details and <laughs> tokens that let you log into people's accounts and private messages.
1: Jeez. Again, why would any woman <laughs> sign up for this? If you want to be stalked, then join Donald Daters, where you'll find all the men who don't believe that like women should have the same... I guess recourse to the law as men.
0: <laughs> Users can only send messages for free to one another after a Tinder-style match or if the user pays monthly fee. 1 month costs 29.99. A year subscription is 9.99 a month.
1: What? Oh, come <laughs> on. <laughs> come on. A year subscription for 9.99 a month. For Spotify, you pay nine ninety nine a month, and you have access to like just millions of songs. <laughs> On this, you get access to just like dozens of basement people.
0: You think we could get
1: Donald Daters as a sponsor? <laughs> I would do ads for Donald Daters all day. I think in general, um, I, I, you know, they might question the content of the show, but I would have no problem with doing ads for like. Bizarre right-wing shit like we talked about what's selling the trump like north korea coins or whatever for the trump Kim jong-un summit yes the
0: coins that celebrated the president's achievements i would be happy to do live reads for those
1: <laughs> absolutely i think that's a brilliant idea and i guess we'll See, can we put the show on... Well, no, we're not paying for this absurd... Well, maybe if the fans want to pay for this absurd subscription fee. third.
0: I mean, if we ever launch a fucking Patreon, we're just going to spend all the money on, like, Donald daters.
1: <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't... Damn, I mean, $30 for one month. That's so fucking, like, rich. I mean, how would you expect someone to sign up for one month of just a clearly doomed dating app and you have to pay i don't know like real money for it
0: well is the thinking on this app that you will sign up for the 29.99 and then you'll meet someone right like you wouldn't want to be on for the full year unless unless this app is more of a casual sex grinder sort of
1: experience this is definitely not this is definitely more of a scam sort of experience if you ask me <laughs>
0: All right, The Federalist dropped a very illuminating article titled, How to Successfully Debate a Democratic Socialist. So I-, I figured Sam could go off. I feel like you're probably the more of the debater among the two of us.
1: I mean, you don't have to be much of a master debater like myself to... Uh be able to like take apart this absurd article that once again is as you said an instruction manual for how to successfully argue against a you know dreaded democratic socialist but this thing rules there's 3 lessons that's all you need to be prepared the first lesson is be prepared Whoa, whoa,
0: geez, that's really, I never would have thought to, like, read some articles.
1: Well, that's not what it's saying, Dan. It's not saying that you should actually, like, know a thing or two about the topic. It's really saying, basically, that the crux of this was that the dsa leadership is way further left than like individual members of the dsa the dsa being the democratic socialists of of america and um what it the whole thing that this article hinges on is that you're arguing against someone who is disavowing like like venezuela or china or russia or like the existing socialist or former socialist countries that um are frequently used by the right wing as examples of like why you're not allowed to do socialism. And so it's a very specific straw man that she's going at. She bases this on an interaction that she apparently had with a real life democratic socialist and uh she said there was a clear disconnect between what socialists like my debate opponent claim about democratic socialism versus what the dsa leadership openly advocates and she like quotes some random people on twitter probably about like some farther left stuff like oh we need to seize the means of production you know basic quotes from like the communist manifesto and stuff
0: I think this definitely shows the degree to which they sort of group democratic socialists in with, like, their skewed perception of, like, what that means.
1: Yeah, and you always see their attempts to make—to say that, like, liberals are actually, like, socialists or, uh, you know, arguing that, like, Cory Booker is, like, a leftist or a Leninist or something when he's—I mean, from from our perspective, we kind of wish he was. But— as you said, they really don't know anything about socialism, let alone democratic socialism. The person who writes this, who is heinously like someone who says, like, oh, I escaped communist China. So I know everything about socialism. I'm like, well, okay, apparently not. Anyway, she says that democratic socialism is the ideology of like Mao Lenin. And castro <laughs> like i mean have you if you crack like a, a single book on the russian revolution you got to know that lenin is his whole thing is that he's in opposition to the social democrats and that the bolsheviks were like more revolutionary and didn't want to reform with like the liberal government at that time so once again just really has not uh listened to her first rule which was be prepared and
0: in this second bullet point She makes the excellent, excellent evergreen point. Socialist countries usually delivered their promises of free stuff at the beginning by forcefully taking property from its rightful owners for redistribution.
1: Yes, from like slave owners. (laughs) In the case of Cuba, like literally like fucking like the descendants of slave owners.
0: I guess building on this second bullet point, she's saying that this uh dsa strain the democratic socialist america strain is like more of the same old uh like radical communists it's weird just because you'll i mean i don't know in my limited knowledge of the like online left people the farther left people who would sympathize with stalin probably aren't too into like dsa
1: no, absolutely. I mean, at any, like, internet Maoists are going to, like, howl if you start lumping, like, DSA members in with, I mean, literally Lenin or any of these other, like much more militant figures from history so uh, in this quote from this from what what you were reading before just a couple lines lower she says that basically once socialist countries run out of other people's money that's when government turns its brutal force against the people it was supposedly trying to help and suppresses voices they were trying to elevate from the former Soviet Union to Mao's China Kim Jong-un's North Korea Fidel's Cuba Nicolas Maduro's Venezuela like she goes on and just like kind of a boring right wing way like that. But what stands out to me is each one of those countries is a con- is they were like just categorically destroyed by other capitalist countries. Like the Soviet Union was no country was willing to recognize it after its formation. Mao's China was politically isolated uh, and had up to that point in the 19th century been fucking colonized by European powers. Chiang Kai-shek was a U.S. supported like dictator who killed as many people as Mao, and that's who Mao overthrew. Uh, Nicolas Maduro's Venezuela has all the fucking legacies of the Monroe Doctrine and American meddling in Latin America, which obviously affects the most egregious example here, Fidel Castro's Cuba, where the U.S. attempted like 600 assassination attempts with the CIA working hand in hand with the mob trying to bring this dude down. And then they imposed an embargo that is still in place to this day and chokes off Cuba's population from, I mean, vital goods that they're unable to purchase, even from European countries, which are restricted uh, as well by the embargo And so just having this like opinion of these countries without contextualizing it with any knowledge of international history and U.S. foreign policy is so fucking ridiculous because every one of these countries tries to rise up. The U.S. like declares war against it and makes it shitty so that they can turn around and be like, oh, look what happens when you try to give people health care. And this is like the most egregious example of that. And I I think that builds. (laughs) into lesson number three (laughs) how to talk about sweden (laughs) she's obsessed with sweden like if you if you're like me and you think sweden is like a nordic hell world where they have like four hours of sunshine per day and there's like three non-white people in a country that has the population of like less than manhattan then i mean i think sweden blows and i'm not trying to use sweden as any kind of like good example of good governance Well, I can
0: confirm that Helen Raleigh, who is this Federalist writer, is a fantastic wordsmith with phrases like, it's like trying to put lipstick on a pig, although it's not fair to pigs to compare them to socialism. (laughs) Got him. Yeah, so, I I don't know, trying to say that the nordic countries are this extreme version of like left leftist policies and shit is just kind of not true either i mean i don't think that any dsa person is like i mean i don't know do you think that people cling to these european models as much as she seems to think
1: I mean, at least from like my limited experience with like DSA people online, a lot of them are critical of using the Nordic countries, which are able to fund sweeping left wing programs basically just by selling oil and being as rapacious as any other country. I mean, even, you know, Norway, you're allowed to eat whales there. Like whaling is legal. I think I did
0: read that. Which yeah, it's uh, it's super illegal everywhere else, right?
1: Except for yeah, Norway and Japan. I mean, two countries that I don't think have anything in common other than whales. But uh, as yeah, I don't think that these are examples of countries that we always need to uplift. And I don't think that shying away from looking at a lot of the successes in Cuba or China or even Venezuela up until recently. I mean, I don't think that. You should be scared of like saying you know something that Hugo Chavez did was good. I mean, don't let them back you into this corner. And if they do, then you can always rely on the fact that like a lot of these countries were are in bad situations mostly because of the United States. And that critique is absent from you know Ms. uh, Raleigh's just fucking sweeping condemnation of democratic socialism. I mean. Dan do you feel like you this article owned you are you owned
0: I had to throw my hands in the air and say stop I'm owned (laughs) I yeah let me go I have been owned
1: I'm speaking from you as I just gradually turn into a corn cob like drill but (laughs) I don't know I think we I think we're done with her um but like I said, I mean, anyone who wants to turn the USA into a big version of Sweden is a complete fucking moron. And as long as we're on the topic of humongous fucking morons, we should talk about the, the lady of the hour, fucking Elizabeth Warren. I
0: agree wholeheartedly with Nathan Robinson from Current Affairs that after revealing her DNA results, there's no way Elizabeth Warren will be president in 2020 let's just start with this as a strategy for Democrats trying to convince themselves that these are good faith attacks that the enemy will stop if you just dispel what they're accusing you of with logic. This is such a bad moment for someone who I genuinely like.
1: Yes. Someone who I think Even those of us who are so irredeemably far left, like, I could bang with, you know, Elizabeth Warren on, like, a national ticket. I think she has done some good stuff as well as some bad stuff. But still, overwhelmingly, as far as people who are out there right now in the political field field on, like, the national scale, she was one of the good ones. And... I just so she went and did this preposterous DNA test to respond to Donald Trump, who's been calling her Pocahontas, because there's been this controversy of whether or not Elizabeth Warren was basically playing up some imagined like Native American heritage. And she just really went about the worst way to try to respond to that, I think. And it's just kind of ridiculous. So she's, she, because she really did this to herself. She is a humongous cell phone. She came out and was like, Hey, Donald Trump, remember how you said you were going to donate a million dollars to charity if I was actually Native American? Well, turns out I'm like 0.3% Native American. So you better pay up a million dollars to a charity.
0: She released a six minute video about this. And. And, like, there's a whole section of her website now. It's, like, elizabethwarren.com slash heritage or something. I mean, it's disgraceful. Given the treatment of natives in this country, uh, she, I'm pretty sure, completely ignored the Standing Rock protest. I want to read the response from the Cherokee Nation Secretary of State, Chuck Hoskin, Jr., and he said, and again, he is uh, one of the spokespeople for the Cherokee tribe. A DNA test is useless to determine tribal citizenship. Current DNA tests do not even distinguish whether a person's ancestors were indigenous to North or South America. Sovereign tribal nations set their own legal requirement for citizenship, and while DNA tests can be used To determine lineage, such as paternity to an individual, it is not evidence for tribal affiliation. Using a DNA test to lay claim to any connection to the Cherokee Nation or any tribal nation, even vaguely, is inappropriate and wrong. It makes a mockery out of DNA tests and its legitimate uses while also dishonoring legitimate tribal governments and their citizens, whose ancestors are well-documented and whose heritage is proven. Senator Warren is undermining tribal interests with her continued claims of tribal heritage.
1: I mean, you should take it probably from the actual Cherokee dude who wrote that, but it seems pretty fucking obvious that it is a really like cynical ploy to do like a 23 and me to fane like native american heritage when really all she ever had was like stories and she says this herself like stories that her parents told her which is like look my parents also told me i was like 132nd native american it's not true and i'm not trying to bake on that ever i wouldn't go out and tell people that unless i was using it as an instructive example of why elizabeth warren should not have done that don't you think it's weird that she didn't consult anyone in the cherokee nation yeah, this is a very unilateral decision to uh, on her part. And like you said, I mean, Trump doesn't respond to, like, the data or numbers or any of that bullshit.
0: We've been through this already with the birtherism controversy. Right. And Obama released the birth certificate, and did Trump ever, like...
1: He, he kind of, like, le- eased off of it. But, I mean, there are plenty of... He's allowing everyone out there who believes the QAnon shit and the Pizzagate shit. All of them like definitely got started a little bit on that from birtherism or some of these other fucking, you know, theories that Trump kind of fanned the flames of. But I mean, it's very problematic also that Elizabeth Warren has kind of this weird history of like using this, uh, supposed Native American lineage. She, someone called her the first woman of color to be hired by Harvard Law. It's like by no measure does she have an experience, the experience of a woman of color and definitely not that of a Native American woman.
0: I just think this whole stunt has discredited her and her ability to be the challenger
1: to Donald Trump. No, because clearly she doesn't know how to respond to his boorishness and his posturing. I mean, and she did this in just the most tone deaf way because people have brought up the fact that indigenous peoples have frequently been forced to institute blood tests to keep non-natives from getting the uh, financial and like kind of benefits that they get as a result of like their protected status or the few nations that still have these kinds of protected status. And uh, it's really problematic. I mean, they talk like I've read, I read an article about blood quantum and how it's a big concern that both for native Americans trying to get the benefits of, you know, being recognized as a member of the tribe, but also like just, they think it's something to think about as a culture that's been, you know, you know, fucking ravaged by white people they think about just like if we don't you know mate with one another we're gonna die out eventually uh because of this importance that's been placed you know historically on literally their blood and it's just uh, like if you if she was sensitive to native issues if she was if elizabeth warren was like a native american or actually wanted to represent that community she maybe would have thought about these things before just you know Coming out and trying to respond to Donald Trump in the dumbest way possible. I mean, I get she thought in her diseased mind that she was going to get Trump to give a million dollars to like charity. But clearly he's not going to do that. It's a very you you can't respond to these bad faith kind of arguments. This is something Hillary Clinton would have done. Oh, hell yeah. And as, oh yeah, there's a precedent that's being set here that's like, okay, show me your genes.
0: Yeah, that too, like, there's this kind of weird, like, eugenic sort of (laughs) mindset creeping back in to, I I think, just uh, the upper echelons of society. Uh, Bill Gates did a Vox interview where he said basically that, like, people in Africa are breeding
1: too much. Yeah, he said overpopulation is like an issue uh, and that Africa's population needs to decrease basically. I don't think you get more like eugenicist or you know basically genocidal than that. And uh goes to sh- I mean everyone who thinks that Bill Gates is going to like single-handedly solve Africa's problems with like charitable donations. I mean sh- that I I feel like that's kind of kind of misguided, but either way um with this Elizabeth Warren thing, it just, like you said, totally discredits her as a ch- challenger. And it also goes to show, I think, that the everyone thinks that they're off the hook now because Trump is president and they can just, like, play his game or try to, you know, stoop to his level. And I really think only Trump or someone like him could do this, clearly, with Elizabeth Warren. She has to answer to this constituency in a way that Trump doesn't have to. And this is a huge fuck up on her part. Isn't it awesome
0: that, I guess, three weeks out from the midterm elections, we're talking about this?
1: Yep. Sounds great. Uh, Blue wave, right? We're getting the blue wave.
0: The last thing I want to say about this is it's been hilarious to see the resistance responses just attacking the Cherokee leaders for the criticisms here. Because I think some of these like West Wing liberals are totally of the belief that this was such an
1: excellent own. Yep, and they are they can't understand why it's blown up in their faces. They normally would say, oh, it blew up in our faces because Trump is dumb and his followers are racist and they don't understand, but the criticism is coming from literally the very people that elizabeth warren is trying to claim community with so there's no way you can tell i mean of course like you said people did try to do this in the fucking replies but you can't tell like a leader in the cherokee nation (laughs) that he's wrong about elizabeth warren being native american like what the fuck are you doing
0: let's put that story behind us i hope we won't have to keep hearing about it but something tells me that that might come up
1: in <laughs> the democratic primary and the worst fucking thing is that every time trump dunks on her for this i'm like yep got her i mean she looks like a fucking yeah, she idiot she kind of deserves it she deserves this and i've honestly been saying this for a minute that the obviously it's like pretty fu- you know problematic and like racist for trump to call elizabeth warren pocahontas but i think Burning her on her imagined Native American heritage was a good move on his part from day one. And it's paid off. I mean, he literally gets to just have this moment of like, gotcha. And I mean, come on, you were outsmarted by Donald Trump and you're supposed to be like the smartest lady in the Senate. Fuck.
0: Well, Sam, at least great art is being created in the Trump era. (laughs) And... A painting, I guess it's hanging in the White House, that has circulated on Twitter the last few days shows perhaps this is how Trump sees himself. I think 200 pounds lighter.
1: Hell yeah. So, okay, so this picture is like a an awful, like tacky tchotchke painting in like bad watercolor or yeah, something. Th- of, this like- is Times Square art to the fullest. Yes. This is. Italian restaurant. You know, like at the mall or something where they, or on, you know, corners in the city, they sell like pictures of Bob Marley or like uh, Jerry Garcia or something. Well, it was like John Lennon. Yeah, like, paintings that are just really kind of, like, cheesy and they look like they're handmade, but they're clearly made by, like, a factory or something. Uh, This is what these are. It's Donald Trump with, like, every Republican president of the 20th century going back, including uh, inexplicably the only person from the 19th century is Abraham Lincoln.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and... Someone made a response where they edited all of the presidents out and put in, like, Weinstein and Louis C.K. and Kevin Spacey and just, like, some of the Me Too people, but they left Abraham Lincoln for some
1: reason. (laughs) I mean, Abraham Lincoln, Me Too. But uh, anyway, uh, I also saw one. It was, like, someone, a Resistance poster, uh, replied to the paint picture with, like, I think Putin and Kim Jong-un and a bunch of other people like in the photoshopped onto like Dwight Eisenhower's head and shit. And, uh, resistance people have seized on this. Number one, cause it's funny. These are like tchotchke paintings that they sell on street corners. And number two, because and- like just Andy Richter was like, they would have all fucking hated him in reference to all the other Republican presidents.
0: Andy Richter, Conan's sidekick, just can't not be a corny lib guy like this is just
1: historically inaccurate (laughs) i mean what george bush was out making calls for kavanaugh like a few weeks ago (laughs) i mean you cannot act like these people don't all share an agenda with maybe the exception of abraham lincoln who predates i think the like the only other person who's close to his age is like Teddy Roosevelt who's in this picture. He's a completely random addition.
0: I think you need to go off a little bit though, because I think making comparisons, like saying like Reagan and Nixon and like Roosevelt would have hated Trump. And there's even some people in the background. Um, Can you just, just a brief hardcore Sam Wagstaff's hardcore history?
1: Sure. I mean, I'll go down the list of people. Teddy Roosevelt, I mean, come on, this dude, huge racist, literally did the 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 Roosevelt corollary to the Monroe Doctrine and used it to invade Latin America on like any pretense whatsoever. Absolutely would have been buddies with Trump. Nixon, fucking proto fascist liar, who. Uh, literally he's the guy who signed the law who signed the law that allowed Trump to pass those like preposterous tariffs on China. Cause clearly like you learn in civics class when you're a 10 year old that, um, only Congress can levy tariffs and stuff, but that's not true since like 1974. That's Nixon. So again, sharing an agenda, Dwight D Eisenhower was literally deported a ton of fucking Mexican people in an operation called literally operation wetback. Absolutely. Would have agreed with Trump. Uh, Uh, Gerald Ford, I think he was president for like a year, honestly, and just cared about football. Total dunce. Watched TV all the time. Absolutely would have had common cause with Trump. Ronald Reagan... Come on. Give me a fucking break. <laughs> He's a fucking entertainer who became president out of nowhere or, or he became a, what governor of California and then president out of fucking nowhere. He was in reefer madness. Absolutely like contributed to the drug war which something that Trump has a vested interest in continuing. They would have gone along better than anyone else there. And the two the worst is like fucking George W. Bush is there when I literally just said 10 seconds ago that he was making calls for Kavanaugh like a few weeks ago. and George H.W. Bush is like standing up in this painting which is fucking miserable (laughs) I like to think that in the afterlife you'd be confined to the chair (laughs) as punishment for war crimes come on this guy's like meddled in the Middle East absolutely a war profiteer business douchebag who would have had plenty in common with Donald Trump and all of these guys in this room maybe even Abraham Lincoln at least as racist on a Personal level, on like an interpersonal level, as Donald Trump, and just don't fucking at me with this shit. Come on.
0: So, no, Andy, they all
1: would not have fucking hated him. I mean, I think even, oh, wait, okay, Calvin Coolidge is in the upper right hand corner, kind of looking creepily and not saying anything because he was a silent guy. Deregulated the markets to the point that we had the Great Depression. Ding- bingo you know once again they all these guys would love trump
0: and it's time to move on it's the pop culture corner and october is the time for horror it is the occult month it is
1: to some the best month of the year it's a good one i mean it's you can let your goth flag fly i uh i moved across the street and i'm next to a graveyard i can see it from my patio it's very cool it fits my sensibility a lot
0: so we're gonna talk about some horror films and some horrible films after that (laughs) so why don't you go first you had a recommendation that i have not seen so do not spoil it too hard
1: oh i'm not spoiling anything um this is a great fucking movie it's called the ritual i believe it's available on netflix there's just so much good stuff going on in this there's a kind of interpersonal drama between these guys who are on a camping trip and there he there's a lot of pathos there's this you get all of that but at the end of the day there's a Swedish death monster. It's like based on all this like Swedish folklore, the visual imagery rules, the monster itself is absolutely worth the wait. And just the whole, the ambiance is great. It's found footage and it's all very kind of like the Blair Witch Project, but you, uh, but you actually get to see the monster and it rules. And it's just a great Hollywood kind of Halloween movie for you in this, you know, dreary month.
0: One thing I was uh, intrigued about by The Ritual is that it didn't have any like no big name actors in it. And I think horror movies are better when they don't.
1: Yeah, I mean horror is definitely sort of in a way similar to like metal music. It's always going to be like by definition a little more indie despite like any big mainstream horror movies that are like actually going to make hollywood movie money and are like made by those studios there are a lot of like great indie horror movies that especially now with like the streaming revolution there's just a lot of good stuff that's been made in the last few years that's available to all of us through our laptops and our streaming devices so uh, i think it's actually very worthwhile to highlight i don't see any judgment on you know recommending something that you can find easily on netflix
0: Yes, and I haven't checked if the films I'm going to discuss are streaming, but I've kind of been like filling in some gaps of just classic horror movies that I missed over the years. So, Sam, I'm assuming you've seen all three of these, but I was thinking... I have. I was thinking maybe we could do a, a, a head-to-head of The Exorcist, Friday the 13th, and the original Halloween. Now, of course, there is a a rebooted halloween that's coming out this month and it apparently has it's getting rave reviews and uh sounds really cool honestly jamie lee curtis is back in it but this is the original so halloween and friday the 13th fall more into the slasher category whereas the exorcist is i I don't know it's more that supernatural horror i guess yeah yeah the exorcist is Obviously the most uh, critically acclaimed William Friedkin directed, and it was just a very, like, bold movie to make because it hinged on the performance of this, like, 12-year-old girl, and that was before every fucking horror movie had, like, a creepy child in it.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And part of the horror that I can't really understand in The Exorcist because I wasn't really raised very Goisha is the like religious aspect of it and all the kind of like occult imagery that comes up. It's kind of like what people who are like really scared by that movie are really scared by in that film. And uh, it's something that I think is kind of unique to the Exorcist as far as definitely if we're gonna comparing it to Friday the thirteenth and Halloween, both of which are more like slasher flicks.
0: Yeah, those there is you know a very famous Villain in each, who is the, you know, the masked uh, sort of the uh, unseen menace, and I suppose both Friday the Thirteenth and Halloween, it a very eighties trend. I think was the most prurient of teens get killed. You know, the ones who are like drugs sure. and sex uh, are the are the ones who are slashed up by the. Uh, Michael Myers or
1: um, Voorhees characters. So in a, in a way, there is this, I guess, religious element to these slasher flicks in a way, or at least like a social conservative aspect to them that I didn't really think about. But uh, yeah, they both absolutely, if you commit the cardinal sin of like fucking as a, as a young person in one of these movies, then you know you're about to get got. And that's become a trope even to the present day.
0: I think if I were to compare the two, though, Friday the 13th, I would say, is more of a party film. There's no adults. It's very much just like the teens isolated in a cabin as they are picked off one by one. And Halloween is more of a suburban. The setting definitely
1: gives it a totally different feeling. I think the thing, yeah, with Halloween is, like, this could happen in your neighborhood. I feel like maybe in the late 70s, that was kind of, like, the start of that kind of, like, scare tactics and, like, the nightly news and shit. That was the late 70s were when people started to really think the United States was, like, becoming unsafe, and it was starting in, like, your neighborhood. And uh, Halloween is so great just to me because I love that, like, Michael Myers is, like, just unkillable purely because he was, like, in a mental asylum. <laughs>
0: It's pretty amazing that I, I don't know if this was borrowed from another movie, but just the opening scene of Halloween, how just shocking it is that you're seeing basically an entire sequence of like POV, like point of view, and you don't know like who uh, it is that is like grabbing a knife and like killing these uh, people, but you find out it's like this child, Michael Myers. It's crazy
1: yeah absolutely. And all three of these, I guess, in a way, kind of had this element of like the enfant sauvage, like the the insane child that is like corrupted and uh she's you know, in the Exorcist obviously it's it's curable. but with Friday the thirteenth and Halloween, this childhood trauma turns into just like it makes these insane killers.
0: yeah, just piling bodies. and there are some great kills in both of the movies. I have to say that if I were to rank them on what was the most, like, chilling, like, even as a Jew, I definitely found The Exorcist. Like, there is a sort of loss of control, I guess, with The Exorcist that you're watching the main character played by Ellen Burstyn is this, like, famous actress who's shooting a movie in Georgetown. So she is, like, upper class... And yet her daughter is possessed by a demon. She tries every, you know, medicine and every, every thing she can think of to get help. But, like, there's this sort of, like, I don't know, just this terror to the idea that, like, even if you had all the resources in the world, you'd have to go back to this, like, ancient ritual of the exorcism.
1: And even in that movie, she goes to, like, the neuroscientists about her child floating and, like, spewing barf everywhere. The neuroscientists basically say, go find a priest because we don't know what the fuck's going on. And then the priest says, you need to go see a doctor. I mean, it's very true how these privileged people have to go through, like, every recourse possible. And when they all turn up, that's when you know it's just, like, this absolutely incurable force that requires you know intervention that you can't conceive of and i don't know it's so ridiculous even uh halloween there's no resolution at the end you have just so much damage inflicted on michael myers and dan you haven't seen it yet but halloween 2 picks up on the same night as oh, Halloween God. one, <laughs> like it's a spoiler alert, you know Michael Myers doesn't die at the end of Halloween. But uh, yeah, of course, all of these movies. Well, I'm sorry. Well, specifically, like Friday the 13th and Halloween have just such a fucking long, you know, filmography now of like all the sequels of varying quality. Well, The Exorcist actually does too, and there's a reason why you haven't heard of them. Oh, really? <laughs> There's
0: like five sequels.
1: <laughs> I actually just had no idea. I didn't realize that. Did but... you
0: Did you know there was actually a Fox TV sh- series, like network TV
1: series, of The Exorcist that went two seasons, like, and it ended like last year? Jesus Christ! Well, you know what I heard is actually recently on uh, off topic. What was on Netflix recently is uh, David Lynch's Dune movie.
0: <laughs> oh God! You know I really need to see that because I never have, and I'm a huge Lynch fan. I also just quickly before we get into the next topic, Halloween uh, was directed by John Carpenter, who we have talked about before. He directed some other uh, amazing films uh, such as They Live. And he actually was, I believe he claimed he was like blindsided by this criticism or not criticism, but just this reading of the film that it was uh, sort of uh, against like prurient behavior. He didn't even, like, think that while making it, which I found interesting.
1: Yeah. That's funny. It's, like, very subconscious, but that trope has definitely still persisted to present day, for sure.
0: If I were to recommend these movies, I would say, you gotta see The Exorcist, then Halloween, then Friday the 13th. I think that's that's the magic order, baby.
1: I think that's true, but if Halloween 2 was on the list, I would put it above all of them, so kind of skews my rankings yeah and the exorcist nine (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's actually the uh the only good one man in halloween in one of like the late sequels they actually take on the question of why michael myers is so like unkillable and just impervious to damage and the reason will blow your mind i'm not spoiling it on air excellent
0: we'll we'll discuss the sequels in future episodes let's shift gears to a horror show of a documentary by two people whose stock has risen in the Trump era. This is the trailer for the film by Diamond and Silk. They are a Trump-supporting duo of two black women, and they have made a film called dummy kratz
1: well daniel we talked about such horrific films that now you need to be taken back into the light you need to learn something about your surroundings you can't be in all these fantastical films with slashers or whatever the real villains the real horrifying villains are the dummy krats.
2: in the world of politics stupidity is all too common. Congressman Engel. No, you uh, have not. Excuse me. Talking to me. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you had been talking to me. Some people will stop at nothing to take control of Congress. The blue wave is coming. But two unlikely heroes are among us. face of hypocrisy diamond and silk will stop at nothing he called the police uh-huh maxi water where you at Nancy pelosi where you at to expose we
0: need answers right now the dummy crats. so these dummy crats, the film points to establishment democrats and their celebrity backers a, a quote from the movie voiceovers said we're looking at you robert de niro
1: right so you know this is not going to be like an actual deconstruction of any like liberal or like democratic uh, fucking fuckery it's gonna be just trumpy youtube bullshit
0: the film issued a viewer discretion warning Particularly to those in the audience who were liberal. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't like it, then you can leave. So, really odd production for this movie. It was a GoFundMe effort that raised $45,000 starting on June 21st. It took 116 days to fund, produce, film, and distribute this movie, and it sure looks like it <laughs> because it's mostly YouTube
1: clips. <laughs> I mean, that makes hey, sense. That's their medium, their YouTube personalities.
0: But even if if you're making a feature film, you don't want to just recycle your YouTube clips. <laughs>
1: It's mostly clips of them speaking at Trump events and then uh, unflattering videos of, like, liberals, like, mixing their words up and stuff. Apparently there's a long montage of, like, uh, Joe Biden kissing women and, like, children's heads at ceremonies. And apparently the
0: clips of Hillary coughing and falling were played (laughs) with whimsical
1: carnival music. That's hilarious. So they go on, like, a bunch of crusades in this film, apparently. One of them is against Maxine Waters. They, like, hound her. They, like, show up at her house, too, and, like, are out in the streets. Literally, her grandson calls the cops on them at one point.
0: They feel the need to confront Maxine Waters as black women. They want to, like, talk to her, like, black woman to black woman. And they want to criticize her statements where she said people should get up in the faces of Republicans and to not be intimidated to uh, protest uh, openly to people. So they decided that the best way to fight against that would be to <laughs> get up in her
1: face. Right, just do what she said, <laughs> but against her, I guess. I Yeah, that's some kind of reasoning, I guess. Uh, one of the best parts is apparently like... They're, they were f- yelling at the Capitol building in D.C., just, like, on the street, uh, demanding a meeting with Maxine Waters, which uh, we talked about the, like, debate me trend in, like, politics lately where you – politics is actually just about, like, screaming at people and saying, like, you have to debate me, sir. Like, Michael Avenatti demanding Trump debate him or Ben Shapiro demanding that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez debate him just – out of nowhere for no reason just because he said so
0: the film is like all over the place there's a sudden shift to a testimony from angel mom michelle root whose daughter was killed in an automobile accident by a man who was an undocumented immigrant so just your standard uh carrying water for racists in this movie
1: It's hard to take any kind of defense of Trump from, you know, non-white people seriously. It's like a little like, I mean, I don't think he really wants you included in his vision for the, you know, America being great or whatever.
0: They, uh, Diamond and Silk, have railed against this perception that black people must line up and support democrats they they have compared that to the plantation mindset to slavery
1: and yet they think that the i guess solution to that is to vote for the republicans who are absolutely as much a force of white supremacy as the democrats in this country but i think there's another crusade that they go on is the poop patrol (laughs) So
0: they're walking around San Francisco, talking to a guy cleaning the
1: street about how there's shit everywhere. <laughs> I don't know. I'm at a loss for why this was featured in the film. Like, what? It, I guess because it's San Francisco. That's like a stand-in for you know Democrats or liberals. But what is the? How does this line up with their thesis of like the Democrats are dumb?
0: One portion of the film featured close-up shots of fecal matter on streets and on sidewalks while a song declaring everybody poops played. (laughs) Okay. Got (laughs) him. Oh, and our source for this is Jared Holt and uh, his uh, right-wing watch, and him and Will Sommer uh, uh, of the Daily Beast were in attendance at this Dummy Kratz premiere in D.C., where Sam just didn't have the time to make it and attendees spent two hundred twenty five to five hundred dollars on tickets for this exclusive screening.
1: Yeah, sadly I was, you know, chained to my desk at work or else I would have obviously gladly forked over like five hundred dollars to watch like fifty percent YouTube clips and forty five percent poop.
0: You know, after I saw the excellent Fahrenheit eleven nine, the least you could do is do a movie review f- of a recent political documentary for us. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I'll I'll pick a different one. It could be a right wing to one also, but I, I don't know if I can like see this much like YouTube footage of poop.
0: And just to financially support Diamond and Silk is not uh, not optimal.
1: Hey, I mean, they only did it for one night, too. I think there was, like, that big fancy one in D.C. where they charge you a ton of money. But I was seeing it on, like, movie show times for theaters out here in Virginia and stuff. And <laughs> they were, like, playing at my local theater. I definitely, like, thought about it for at least one second. But then I was like, I... Luckily, I had other things to do, I think.
0: So, to move past dummy-crats, let's talk about a, another right-wing film. Uh, Will Sommer wrote an article about it in the Daily Beast. This is... <laughs> this, to me, is like a quintessential like Trump supporter story. Sam, do you know anything about this firefighter
1: prophet? <laughs> So this guy is a retired firefighter named Mark Taylor. And he's a really good example of how I think some of the Trump people lately have become, like, the word for it, I think, is transcendental in attitude. I don't know how to explain this. Like, sort of like how the QAnon people believe that just, like, everything is a conspiracy. That's like this, like, the Matrix-level deception. Like, there's this search for something that's, like, kind of – Vaguely psychedelic in a way, or in this case, very religious. This guy believes that uh, God was um, telling him that Donald Trump is like the man of the, he's the Messiah of like today or in what other religious terms. Oddly, he uses the uh, counterpoint to Donald Trump of of. Benjamin Netanyahu, he's like, as Benjamin Netanyahu is to Israel, so shall Trump be to the United States of America.
0: Mark Taylor says a voice told him, I have chosen this man, Donald Trump, for such a title as this, for as Benjamin Netanyahu is to Israel, so shall this man be to the USA.
1: Just... Lunacy. He claims that the sound was coming from his TV, but it wasn't the TV; it was God. So God was speaking through the TV.
0: And after you know, he lost. He lost a lot of hope after Trump uh, did not run against Barack Obama and win the White House in 2012. But fortunately, <laughs> his prophecy came true later and the movie
1: there's a movie (laughs) my job as a fireman
2: was to react calmly but what i saw last night
1: scared me so much
2: the trump prophecy movie is the story of former firefighter mark taylor who says he received a special message from god in 2011 that then businessman donald trump was headed for the White House. Producer Rick Eldridge says he wasn't sure he wanted to do the film. I knew it was going to be controversial. I knew it was not going to be an easy movie to make. But uh, I also knew that we had a nation that that really needed to hear some messages of of God's intervention in our country. The movie relives the night. Mark Taylor received what he calls the commander-in-chief
1: prophecy. I didn't know a lot about Donald Trump. Um, I just knew he was a very powerful businessman had built this empire so i'm listening to him on an interview and all of a sudden i just heard the voice of the lord say you're hearing the voice of a president
0: i mean it was produced by students and faculty from liberty university the jerry falwell uh ultra far right uh, christian university
1: yeah, which is funny because they're obviously their concern is that this is heretical. I mean, you can't be saying that like the TV is the burning bush and that God is telling you that like Donald Trump, the guy who doesn't conform at all to their kind of like social conservative mores, is actually like the second coming. I don't want to rip too hard
0: on this Taylor guy because it said he suffers from PTSD from his years as a firefighter and firefighters aren't cops firefighters are you
1: know uh, we don't we we like the fire departments yeah they're great i mean that's why people are trying to push this uh term what first responders so it includes like the cops with people who actually save lives like firefighters and fucking like emts and whatever uh, can i just
0: read some of the plot details
1: <laughs> please
0: oh <sighs> suffering from PTSD from his firefighting job, Mark Taylor struggled with nightmares. Uh, and then the movie shows Taylor wrestling with fire-breathing dragon uh, demons. And of course, before receiving the message about Trump, Taylor meets Don and Mary Colbert, two well-connected evangelical leaders who decide to promote Taylor's claims nationally. Mary starts a prayer chain of Christians praying for Trump's presidential bid with the climactic scene showing hundreds of prophecy believers blowing Jewish shofar horns on election day to usher Trump into the White House.
1: I think that it would be nice if we as a country would have just choruses of, you know, shofars inaugurating our political figures. I mean, it couldn't get any, can't get worse than what we have now, which is, what is like, is it like Katy Perry or something? Who's going to sing? Come on, put, put some shofar people out there. I'm in favor of that. And, uh, one of the things that I think is funny is that apparently in the book, Mark Taylor claims that he received another prophecy that promised that Russia and the United States would team up to fight the Illuminati which Taylor claims is responsible for ISIS as well as Adolf Hitler.
0: He also claimed that Hurricane Florence was created by deep state operatives with weather control machines to destroy evidence of North Carolina voter fraud.
1: (laughs) And you see, I think, like, there's... Even though this seems so wild and unique, I mean, there is kind of, like, a common vein between this and, like, QAnon. The idea that, like forces that you think are working in opposition to each other obviously with QAnon like apparently Robert Mueller and Donald Trump are teaming up to take out the deep state but they're you know conspiring against the like a a larger conspiracy that we can't even understand and you see like similar themes come up and even like something like this that is supposedly just given to him by God through the TV or whatever
0: and then the ending to this movie Apparently the book devotes a long portion uh, to denouncing federal tax laws that prevent churches from endorsing politicians, and the Trump prophecy ends with Trump's re-election and suddenly flips without explanation to a patriotic music video where people hold up pictures of family members in the military And then it just goes into a segment where right wing pundits like Michelle Bachman talk about Trump's importance to Israel. Jeez,
1: yeah, they also have this like weird obsession with Israel as like Israel, like Jews need to be in Israel because like the second coming will only occur if. uh, our people are in israel for some reason i mean there are like similar these like veins running through this kind of like loopy transcendental like right-wing conspiracy theory Uh, it's odd and but still you can see kind of like the same themes
0: yeah so trump is the lord and uh, the jews control the weather (laughs) and let's go into story time And Sam took a trip to a
1: museum. Yes, one of the wonderful things about living in the DMV area is all the free museums you can go to in Arlington, in D.C. proper, and, of course, in the surrounding suburbs. But one of the most elusive ones that I had never been to is literally the DEA museum that you heard that right folks. It's the drug enforcement administration.
0: There's so much to celebrate. What a rich legacy of not racism.
1: Oh God. So th- this one's a doozy. The, so the, the hours for the DEA museum are atrocious. It's Tuesday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. <laughs> um, very random this is very like off the beaten path it's across the street from a mall in like arlington kind of near the pentagon and it's in this absurdly large office building that definitely houses a bunch of other stuff but there's just one little sign for it and when you go in i mean the security guards like i had to assume that they thought we were just like fucking goofball liberals who were there to like laugh and uh, at the exhibits which we definitely were but it, it made going through security kind of uh a threatening experience
0: okay did they have on display like a dare sort of collection of all the different types of drugs and pills and stuff
1: oh for sure Basically it's organized as a historical trip through the drug problem as they see it in the United States. Um you will love who they think is the you know who they think the origin of the drug problem in the United States is? The Grateful Dead. No. <laughs> Close. It's China guess, of Okay, course. okay. My
0: second guess was the Chinese. <laughs>
1: Yes, it literally says like it's it's like America's first drug epidemic and then it's opium smoking comes to America from Chinese immigrants. Like it's kind of funny, but it's also kind of dark because the whole thing like the DEA's mission is just overtly like white nationalist. Uh, It talks about like how it it also blames like Arabs in like uh, ancient times or, uh, you know, times during like the dark ages like smoking hashish or whatever and like they claimed that they also brought these drugs and that like America wouldn't have drugs if it wasn't for all these like shady people in Asia or whatever but it goes from then there's some cool um there's a lot of memorabilia there's really cool opium pipes and stuff in like the, the China section and the early American section and it also has like <laughs> All the snake oil kind of drugs that went around, but um, there's a lot of like heinous grandstanding also for like the men who there's a like the in the lobby there's a shitload of pictures of like people who like lost their lives in the line of duty, like yeah. defending your children. I was gonna from say, drugs.
0: did they feature a tribute to all the dogs they kill? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but they okay you'll like this they do have like a very kind of like dare uh wall where it's members of the community it's so children's museum it's like very creepy and uh especially since the rest of this museum is really not safe for children in any way but in this uh in this fucking one part of the exhibit there's a little like infographic where you like lift something up and it says like how does drugs affect a kid and it says like what's it called you know these kids can witness drugs in their own household and like that's how it's bad there was one for a dog that was like this dog may have been used to smuggle drugs it was like a tiny golden retriever i'm like it's not really like were people like all the time adopting like dogs that were previously used as like drug mules like what are you talking about
0: I am curious, what is the attitude towards cannabis seeing as it's legal in D.C. and basically legal in uh,
1: several uh, states now? So, it's kind of funny. They... When you first walk in, I think the worst thing in the is when you first walk in, it has a replica of an American crack house circa 1990. And you can, like, literally peer into it through, like, a little peephole. And then there's a picture of, like, little kids fighting over, like, just capsules filled with, like, presumably crack. So it's just, um, like, that,
0: like, Breaking Bad scene where Jesse's, like, all passed out.
1: Basically, yeah. And then... In, right next to that is a marijuana vending machine from California that they like uh, seized in like 2008, I guess in the earlier days of like California having kind of like semi legal weed, and uh, so they it's very clear that they think that these things are basically the same issue that a crack house and like a marijuana you know vending machine or somehow all part of the same continuum one thing that is conspicuously absent from the dea museum is alcohol There's you will never see anything about alcohol abuse despite the fact that i think alcohol is like i think the most lethal drug if i'm not mistaken it's like or if it's not it's one of the most lethal drugs
0: was there tour guides or the staff did they seem (laughs) i mean i'm just wondering like I don't think it's inconceivable to have a museum for this sort of thing, but it's presented in just the most, like, cynical sort of way.
1: Yo, yeah, absolutely. It's, like, in a propagandistic, racist, self-justifying way. I compared it to, like... If uh, the Nazis had succeeded in the Holocaust, then they would have put up a museum like this, basically. (laughs) I mean, like the crack house exhibit, I'm like, fuck, this is like, this was used to wage war on communities, and you're acting like it's a pathology unique to those communities that you're curing instead of like exacerbating and like profiting off of. It was. Very heinous, especially because there's all this all the race baiting. Uh, some of like the lighter things. I mean, they had like a ton of marijuana stuff that was really funny. They had literal weed in evidence bags from like the 70s. <laughs> it's like all brown and dried out and shit. Um, they have a lot of like what I think are just. I, I, tools that people claimed were used for one thing but are clearly like random objects from the 70s that don't do anything. There's one thing called a marijuana intensifier. <laughs> like It's like this like a contraption that looks like it was like left off the set of like a 1950s horror movie. They're just like preposterous like proto-vaporizers from like the 1960s and stuff uh <laughs> there was one that literally just said big scale and then the description says four weighing drugs <laughs> jesus and the scale is like uh you know lady justice or whatever like it's like those scales like that you see at, like a law firm or something <laughs> Um, just so many like rolling papers too. uh, literal bath salts as well were on display and like K2 and spice. But one of my favorite parts was the lost promise binder, which you could flip through and it was just like celebrities who have died of drug overdoses. Some of the best examples, uh, literally Russell old dirty bastard Jones of Wu Tang is in this. It's like... (laughs) the lost talent of odb it's like why i didn't realize the d the dea recognized like the artistic merit of odb i i believe he has like a ton of artistic merit but odd choice on their part they also had anna nicole smith in this
0: famous (laughs) prescription drug overdose
1: oh yeah and there's a big section of course they have to walk like toe a line because of you know, prescription drugs are the the way everyone dies from drugs now, but that's also legal, and you know the U.S. government bangs with like prescription pill companies and like pharmaceutical Wait, so it didn't address the opiate crisis? It does, but in in like very uh, pathologized terms. Uh, it's really, this is all about showing off stuff they've confiscated over the years. Some of which is genuinely kind of like weirdly cool. <laughs> like there's a lightweight aircraft <laughs> that was, is in there that like was used to smuggle drugs across the border. There are tires that literally have like the, um, not, you know, like in breaking bad or maybe it's better call Saul They have like the cash and the tires. They have this, but it's like tubes of cocaine. <laughs> um, they also have, like, like just fur coats they confiscated from, like, drug kingpins and stuff over the years. So, really, I think it's just about, like, showing off. But uh, either way, very surreal place to visit. Very racist. I mean, like, I, I was very shaken up when I left. Uh, number one, because... I was worried they were going to like try to beat me up. The only people there were either like dead-eyed security guards or like literal DEA officers who looked like they were, you know, proud of the institution and also wary of anyone who was coming in who was trying to like make a mockery of it, which is clearly what I'm doing currently.
0: Yeah, if only if they'd known what you were going to do that you were going to eviscerate them. They never
1: would have let you in. No, of course not. Uh, One thing I will give the DEA is that it has, uh, in the gift shop, which I did not buy anything from because I can't give them money in good conscience, but uh, they have all those kind of like... What, you know, like, Chapo houses, like, logo is, like, the cocaine intelligence unit patch. They have that one, but they also have just a ton of other ones, and they're all really cool. Like, a ton of them have the Grim Reaper on them for some reason. One of them says the unicorn system for the Caribbean fil- field division. There's one for, like, Southwest heroin that... Uh, a Southwest Asian heroin that has, like, a camel and shit. I don't know. Some of it was kind of cool, but... Uh, or at least the artwork itself is cool, but... Overall, uh, I don't recommend it. I don't recommend the DEA museum. <laughs> Nor as far we... as like other museums in D.C. go, there's probably better ones you could attend.
0: Nor do we recommend the DEA.
1: No, <laughs> definitely not.
0: So that'll do it for the plunge this week, everyone. Thank you so much for supporting the show. By listening, by rating on itunes give us that five star rating please we beg of you we need more reviews from the people who listen to this show because that's how other people find this show and we spread the dummy crat gospel
1: that's right folks if you want to ever hear takes about movies in which uh donald trump is you know, prophesize to bring order to Israel and the Judeo-Christian lands, then you should turn first to The Plunge for coverage of those topics.
0: We are open to any Donald Daters users, and if you are a user of that app, uh, feel free to direct message or tweet at us at plunge underscore podcast. And of course, you can, as always, follow me At Spaventacular, S-P-A-V-E-N-T-A-C-U-L-A-R. And Sam, anything to plug?
1: Well, you can follow me, as usual, at Wagstank. Thanks to everyone who supported the plunge for the past year. It's flown by. Uh, We'll probably need to be more punctual with our episodes moving forward, but... I think it's everybody likes getting the nice surprise of that notification that the plunge has a new episode.
0: Yeah, we'll try to get more back on that weekly schedule. We've been a little uh, off our kilter, you know. We've been a little uh, off kilter lately with our scheduling. But hey, guys, we do it for you. We do it for gritty. We (laughs) do it for Sister Hillary. Thirsty Gorka.
1: The country of Sweden. (laughs) The The socialist utopia of Sweden. (laughs) (laughs) The model for all countries. The the only country I can name besides the United States. Fidel's Cuba. I think you mean uh yeah, (laughs) Maoist Sweden.
0: And yeah, check out. The horror movies we talked about too—the uh, Ritual, The Exorcist, Friday the Thirteenth, and Halloween—I don't think any of those will uh, disappoint. You know, a, a nice fall horror movie viewing is uh, there. It, it, it's a it's it's a great it's a great feeling. It's it's like the perfect mixture of time and uh, you know genre.
1: Absolutely, folks. Go watch the movies. Enjoy yourselves. You've just gotten so much information. Now you can it's time for self-care.
0: I'm going to go uh spit in a cup so I can uh prove to you that I'm 189th Cherokee.
1: <laughs> well, uh I'll be too busy looking at busty milfs on Instagram to care.
0: All right, and that'll do it. Goodbye, <laughs> folks.